الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Glory the praise belongs to Allah. We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and leave the consequences of our deeds. Whenever Allah guides, no one can lead him astray, and whoever Allah allows or leads astray, no one can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone. and that he has no partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his servant and his messenger. Uh, I would just like to say, alhamdulillah, that we are uh, returning back to our classes in Sakul Hadith, and I think today is the ninth class, or the ninth lecture in the series uh, dealing with al-Sahara, or purification. And we ask Allah, after completing this month of Ramadan, that He accepts from us that which we have done sincerely for Him alone and in accordance with the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, of our fasting and our standing in the night and our reading of Qur'an and whatever good deeds that we have done for Him alone. Amen. Uh, Our discussion tonight, or perhaps I should at least quickly, before going into our topic for tonight, uh, just quickly mention the uh, hadith which we took in our last discussion. In our last discussion we were dealing with the chapter of As-Siwak, or Al-Miswak. And we said, uh, we mentioned the hadith of Abu Hurairah from the Prophet وسلم, in which it is authentically reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim that he وسلم, said, لَوْلَا إِنْ أَشُكَّ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي لَأَمَرْتُهُمْ بِالْسِوَاكِ مَا كُلِّ وُضُوكِ أَوْقَوَىٰ عِنْدَ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ And according to different narrations. And if it wouldn't have been a hardship on my ummah, I would have ordered them to use al-siwaq at every time of wudu or at any time of salat. And uh, we mentioned Siwak, what was its purpose uh, and uh, its use. And we also mentioned that some of the scholars said from this hadith that we understand a number of points and from them is that it was mustahab or commendable or recommended uh, to use Siwak. to clean one's mouth and then it has many virtues its virtues are so many that it reached the degree in, in the reward for using miswak uh, equal to the reward for those things which are obligatory and why do that? the obligatory things also in this hadith uh, The fact that this work is legally legislated in Islam is confirmed 
at the time of wudu or at the time of salat and every daqiq al-eid he mentioned concerning this that uh, the secret or the wisdom behind this uh, is that we are ordered to be in every condition or at every time uh, in a state of purity perfect cleanliness so that we may seek to get near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also uh, this purification using of miswak is also a manifestation of the high station or status of ibadah and that a person before they engage in any act of ibadah they should recognize the greatness uh, of ibadah and prepare themselves for the ibadah by cleaning themselves and part of that cleanliness is using miswak also uh, this hadith makes us to know the superiority of the wudu or the salat which is performed while using miswak uh, and also that nothing prevented the Prophet وسلم, from commanding the Muslims to use the miswak uh, except his fear that it would be a hardship on the Muslims to fulfill that obligation otherwise the greatness and the virtuousness of Mithraq if it were not for it, the hardship that he feared would be upon the Muslims he would have ordered us to use it at every time of prayer or at every time of wudu. also this hadith shows the completeness and the perfect perfection of the concern and love of the Prophet for his ummah and his fear for the Muslims and also uh, in this hadith we have an indication or manifestation of the easiness of the Islamic law, the Sharia, and that there should be no hardship or difficulty in. And uh, finally, the great principle, the general, very, very beneficial principle we found in this hadith is that uh, repulsing that which is harmful has precedence over trying to achieve or to seek that which is beneficial and if we have uh, two things in front of us the one that is beneficial and one that would be harmful it is more important to avoid that which is harmful than it is to seek that which is beneficial the other hadith that we mentioned in that lecture is the hadith of Khudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiyallahu anhumah may Allah be pleased with Khudayfa and his father al-Yaman he said كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا قام من الليل يشوس ساهو بالسواك يعني when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to get up in the night he used to clean his mouth uh, by using miswak مثل this hadith the Shaykh Abdullah Ibn Abd Rahman Ali Bassam mentions three points the first of them from this hadith we understand uh, the confirmation of the legal nature of using miswak or silat after one has been sleeping during the night and also uh, the confirmation that it is legislated to use miswak at every time that the breath 
affects any change يعني when, the, when a person's uh, the order of one's mouth changes at any of those times whether it's awakening from sleep or any other time then you can also understand from this hadith uh, that the use of miswak is legislated in Islam as its purpose for being used when one awakens from sleep is due to the change of the order of one's mouth during sleeping. So any other time that's similar to that also requires the legislature or is commendable to use miswak for any other occasion similar. Uh, and finally he mentioned that cleanliness or purification in general is legislated in Islam and is from the Sunnah of the Prophet in the noble uh, manners from the religion of Islam. And finally, the last hadith that we mentioned, um, well not the last hadith, the third hadith, apparently we took four hadith. The third hadith is the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. She said, Dathala Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhuma ala nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ana mustamidatu ila sabri. He said that uh, she said Aisha radiallahu anha that Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Bakr al-Siddiq her brother radiallahu anhuma came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa while she was holding him to her chest. And then Abdul Rahman siwaq ratub ratubun yastamnu bihi and he had a miswak, a fresh miswak that he was cleaning his mouth with. فأبده رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بصره when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم began to stare it فأخذت السواك فقبلته وطيبته so she said I took the miswak and I uh, removed the end of it and prepared it for use by the, the, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم حما دفعته إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فاستمن به then I gave it to him and he began to clean his mouth or brush his teeth with it فما رأيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم استمن استنانا أحسن منه فما عدا أن فرض رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم رفع يده أو إصبعه ثم قال في الرفيق العالى ثلاثا ثم قضي عليه شفر from cleaning his mouth, he raised his hand on his finger and he said فِرَّفِيقِ الْعَالَى يَعْنِي three times and then his soul was taken so this hadith uh, also there are a number of points that the Shaykh mentions from amongst them uh, the use of fresh miswak and also preparing the miswak for use by cutting its end when it's old and, uh, and softening it for its use. And also in this hadith we understand the permissibility of using the mitzvah of some mouth after cleaning it and preparing it for use by the second person. And uh, also the permissibility of acting on that which one understands through al-ishara or dalala. Yeah, I mean when someone indicates to you to do something or not to do something without speaking a word but by signal or by sign then you may act on such as Aisha radiallahu anhu radiallahu anha may Allah be pleased with her did 
when the Prophet indicated without saying a word, but by staring at the misrack of Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr, when she understood that he wanted it, and she took it from her brother and prepared it for use by the Prophet And finally he says, Ar-Rafiq al-A'la, when the Prophet just before he passed away at the funeral of Mark, he said, see Ar-Rafiq al-A'la, uh, this Ar-Rafiq al-A'la is those who are indicated uh, by in the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Nisa, where Allah says, "Al-Nabiina an'ama Allahu alayhim min al-Nabiyyin wa-Siddiqin wa-Shuhada wa-Salihin." That is those whom Allah has bestowed His favors upon and His grace upon, from amongst the prophets, the truthful, the martyrs, and the righteous. And the last hadith is the hadith of Abu Barda. The son of Abu Musa al-Ashari radiallahu anhuma He said I came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And he was using miswak, a fresh miswak uh, And he was saying While that miswak was on the end of his tongue uh, uh, Making a sound from his throat وَالصِّوَاتْ فِي فِيهِ كَأَنَّهُ يَتَحَوَّعُ Yani the miswak was in his mouth And it was as though he was choking or coughing uh, in this hadith he mentions three points from it that uh, also the legislation of using the fresh miswak uh, and that the use of miswak is an act of ibadah or worship and a, and a means of getting near to Allah and the second thing uh, that we may even go to the extreme of using that miswak um, because in using it to its furthest extent to the end of the mouth or to the back of the mouth this is a means or a form of completeness or perfection of cleanliness. And finally, uh, the use of miswak on the tongue, sometimes also this is legislated from the, in the sunnah that the Prophet ﷺ even sometimes used the miswak on his tongue, not just on his teeth. Uh, the topic that we want to discuss this evening is the chapter Bab al-Nasr al-Khufayn that is the wiping over the hoofs and hoofain. The Shaykh uh, Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman Ali Bassam, Hafidahullah, he begins these hadiths, which there are two, and we in, our, in the handout that we have given out, there are three hadiths mentioned, two of them are from the book, and the third one is from Sahih Muslim, which brings some extra information I felt, inshallah, that it is useful. Before mentioning those hadith uh, and the commentary of Shaykh Abdullah bin Abdurrahman, uh, the author of the book, Hamdat al-Ahkam, he mentions as an introductory note that this chapter is mentioned here in the matters related to al-Sahara. Um, included in it are some evidences of the fact that wiping over the hoofs or the thin leather socks is something legislated in Islam and that this wiping takes the place of washing the feet and it is actually an Islamic legally legislated form of tahara that is agreed upon and there is ijma ijma upon uh, this fact that it is legislated in Islam that it is illegal uh, means or form of purification. Uh, this is something agreed upon by the scholars of the Muslims, all of them, who are, whose, whose opinion 
or whose ruling or judgment is to be considered. And uh, he mentions this here, that those who are to be considered because there is some uh, exception from this agreement and that exception are the Shia and their opinion is not to be considered. This is something agreed upon by the Muslim scholars due to the fact that the evidences, the clear, authentic, legal proofs are mutawatira, yani they came through many, many, many narrations, not one or two or three, but many, to the extent that there is no doubt about their truthfulness and accuracy. Alhamdulillah. Then he says that the exception or the deviation of those who differed with this ijma is not to be considered. In the absence of any authentic proofs for them to rely upon, and also because all of the authentic hadith refute them, and those authentic hadith, as we already mentioned, they are clear, they are uh, authentic, and they are mutawatira. Yeah, I mean many, many, many. That the wiping over the sack is something that has been allowed by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and Allah loves that a person should take those. Uh, things that he has allowed, those things that he has given license for or an ease. And this is uh, from those means of ease that is part of the Islamic legislation. Before mentioning the hadith or the two hadith which the Shaykh has mentioned here, from this point of those things that Allah has given in the Islamic Sharia as a means of ease. From this point, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sari al-Uthaymeen, Hafizullah, said that there are many rules in a book or in a small essay that he wrote concerning the purification and the prayer for the sick person. He said that there are many rules for the sick in terms of or related to the prayer of the sick person or their means of purification which the Islamic law requires to be given consideration because of their condition of sickness. Really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the true and tolerant religion which is built upon the principle of ease, facility and non-complication. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an مَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجٍ That He has not made upon you in the religion any hardship. Allah has not made anything in this religion to be a hardship on the believers. And in another place the saying of Allah يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرَ That Allah intends for you ease and He does not want to make things difficult for you. Allah doesn't intend to make any difficulty or hardship on us and we shouldn't make any hardship on ourselves. And then the Shaykh uh, finally mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَسْتَطَعَةٌ وَاسْمَعُوا وَأَطِيعُوا So fear Allah. In those things that Allah has ordered us to do or prohibited us from, fear Allah or keep your duty to Allah as much as you can and hear and obey. Then Shaykh Uthaymeen, he mentions the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which is recorded in Al-Bukhari and Muslim إِنَّ الدِّينَ يُسْرَةٌ That verily the religion is ease. And the saying 
يقول الفاتح صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا أمرتكم بشيء فأتوا منه ما استطعتم من whatever or whenever or if I order you with anything then do as much of it as you can so these few proofs from the Quran and from the Sunnah uh, establish this principle in the religion of Islam and in the Islamic Sharia of ease that Allah doesn't want difficulty for us but He wants for us ease and under this category uh, under this fundamental principle comes the uh, chapter of Al-Masr or writing over Al-Khusayn the Sa'af and here uh, the Shaykh mentions first the first hadith hadith number 21 Al-Mughayra ibn Shuraba radiallahu anhu قال كنت مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في السفر فأحويت لأنزع خفين He said that I was with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in a journey and I bent down to remove his hoofs, his leather socks فقال when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to him دعهما فإني أدخلتهما طاهرتين then the Prophet ﷺ told him to leave that, Don't, no need to take them off. He said, verily, I have put on these hoofs while my feet were in a state of purification. Then the Prophet ﷺ merely wiped over his socks without washing his feet. Here, the Shaykh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman al-Bassan in his commentary on this hadith he says that the general meaning of this hadith is that Al-Mughayrah was with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in one of his journeys so when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam began to make ablution to clean himself he washed his face and hands and he wiped his head and before going to his feet Al-Mughayrah anhu bent down or leaned over to remove the tracks of the Prophet وسلم, so that he may wash his feet. And then the Prophet وسلم, told him to leave them, don't take them off. So verily he has put his feet in those tracks while they were in a state of purification, in a state of tahara. And then the Prophet وسلم, wiped over his tracks in place of washing his feet. Instead of washing his feet, he merely wiped over his socks. Mushayti here mentions that there is some difference of opinion amongst the scholars concerning this matter. And he says that the Shia, they have stepped outside of the ijma' or the consensus of the scholars and they deny the legal or the legislative action of wiping over the socks. And it has also been reported from Imam Malik rahimahullah and from some of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in that it has been reported that some of them also differed on this matter that is that some of them held the opinion that it wasn't permissible to wipe over the socks. But here the Shaykh says although that has been reported Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah said that those narrations 
from the Sahaba radiallahu anhum denying the permissibility of wiping over the sats for all they are all weak reports and they are not authentically reported and secondly he says as for al-imam malik rahimahullah uh, it is authentically reported from him uh, that he allowed the wiping over the socks and that his students or those who followed his opinions or his madhab after him also allowed the wiping over the socks as for the Shia they are the ones who are known in contradicting or opposing the consensus of the Muslim scholars due to their claim uh, that this ruling has been superseded by an ayah of the Qur'an uh, in which they read the ayah concerning al-wudu instead of arjulakum that is they read this ayah of wudu that one should wipe over their head and wipe over their feet instead of uh, the alternative reading which includes wiping over the feet or the washing of the feet to be attached to the command to wash the other parts the face and hands that are washed in wudu and they said that this ayah abrogates the hadith allowing the permissibility of wiping over the socks uh, then the shaykh says the whole of the Muslim Ummah held the opinion or the position of the permissibility of wiping over the socks and this is actually uh, it has actually been mentioned by some of our scholars in the books of Islamic creed or belief al-aqidah due to the fact that the Muslims who followed the Sunnah uh, agreed on this point and those who differed who are those people who differed with us in aqidah that is the Rafida or the Shia and the people of Sunnah hold the permissibility of wiping over the Saq due to the many hadith which have been reported authentically from the Prophet when the Shaykh in his uh, discussion of this difference of opinion amongst the scholars he said that if we accept the uh, reading that they use as a proof for them uh, if we accept this reading then its meaning uh, would simply be that the wiping here is the wiping over the khuf or al-khufain uh, not wiping over the feet but in fact if one is not wearing the socks then uh, the feet have to be washed not wiped over and then he said that the students of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu they were amazed and pleased by the hadith of Jarir ibn Abdullah concerning the wiping over socks because Jarir radiallahu anhu he was one of the last people who came to Islam his entering Islam was in the end of the time of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa 
and it was after the revelation of Surah Al-Ma'idah that is, it was, it was after the revelation of this ayah that they claim uh, abrogates this sunnah of the Prophet Wasallam. and as we discussed on many occasions concerning the matter of abrogation that which came last in any text from the Qur'an or the sunnah supersedes that which came before it so if this sunnah was reported by and witnessed by someone such as Jarir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu who came to Islam after the revelation of this ayah then this is the proof that this is a sunnah which is established and not abrogated and finally he says that Al-Imam ibn Daqiq al-Eid rahimahullah mentions that the wiping over the tracks is something that is widespread and well known about its permissibility to the extent that it became as a symbol of the Ahl Sunnah of the people of Sunnah it became a symbol that they are from the people of Sunnah and its rejection became a sign or a symbol of the people of innovation or bid'ah. Here the Shaykh mentions some points which we understand from this hadith. Uh, from this hadith he says first we derive that it is legislated. Yani it, is, it is a legislated act for one to wipe over the socks at the time of making ablution and that that wiping is one time with the hand and it is on the upper side of the sock not the lower side as has been mentioned in some of the reports secondly he said from this hadith we also understand that it is a condition for the permissibility of wiping over the socks that the person should have cleaned or washed their feet before putting on the socks they should have performed ablution before putting on the socks and that is the condition uh, for anyone to have the right to later wipe over the socks if they invalidated their ablution and three from this hadith we can also understand that it is something commendable or recommended to serve the Muslim scholars and those who are considered to have a high place or status in the Muslim society as the companion of the Prophet served him in being ready and prepared to take his socks off to help him in the performance of wudu the service of the scholars is something commendable in Islam and finally, the last point that he mentions from this hadith uh, that it came or it was reported in some of the narrations concerning this inter- incident that it took place in the Ghazwatu Tabuk at the time of Sa'at al-Fajr. Then the Shaykh, uh, then uh, there's one other hadith that he mentions concerning this topic. This Mentioned this hadith in brief 
and attributes it to Al-Bukhari and Muslim and he narrates the hadith as follows. He said that Khubayta radiallahu anhuma said Kuntu ma'a nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi safarin fabala wa tawadda'a wa masaha ala kufayni That I was with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a journey when he urinated then he made ablution and he wiped over his socks here, the Shaykh comments concerning this report that the actual expression that was reported in the two authentic books of Al-Bukhari and Muslim from Hudayfa radiallahu anhu he says that it was reported like this كُنْتُ مَعَ نَبِيهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ خَنْتَهَا إِلَى صِبَاطَةَ I was with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and he went to this place where the people um, used to uh, um, use, I don't know what you can call it, like for dumping the trash or filth or garbage. Uh, then the Prophet urinated standing and he told me to come near to him, so I came near to him until I was standing almost on his heels. Yeah, I mean, he was standing directly behind him. Then the Prophet made wudu and as is reported in the Sahih of Muslim, he said, then he wiped over his socks. Uh, some of the scholars said that these final words that he wiped over his socks are not mentioned in the narration of Al-Bukhari, but actually they are mentioned only in the narration of Al-Imam Muslim. So uh, in that case, this particular narration shouldn't have been attributed to both Al-Bukhari and Muslim because the point in the hadith that is of importance is the last words of the hadith where he said that after urinating he made wudu and then he wiped over his socks. Uh, from this hadith, the Shaykh says that number one, uh, actually he makes only one point, but that point is containing a number of different points. So he says first that uh, from this hadith we derive that it is legislated to wipe over the socks when one is in a journey. Secondly, he says that the period for wiping over the socks and wiping over the turban in the journey is three days and three nights. As for the one who is resident, not a traveler, then the period for wiping is one day and one night or 24 hours. And that time period, he says, begins for the person uh, who is traveling or who is resident from the time that they wipe over their socks. I mean, from the time that they actually made a must. From that time, he said that this period of one day and a night or three days and three nights begins according to the most authentic saying. That's what the Sheikh says here. There is difference of opinion about this man in some of the scholars. For example, Hassan al-Basri said that the time of uh, wiping uh, begins from the time that the person puts the socks on. And the majority opinion, the majority of the scholars, their opinion is that this period begins from the time 
of actually uh, the time when the person invalidated their state of Sahara and their state of purification. So, I mean, not from the time of wearing the socks, but it doesn't begin until the person actually invalidates their state of purification. From that time, the period of one day and a night, or three days and a night, and three nights begin. And the third opinion, uh, which is one report, although the Imam, Al Imam Abu Hanifa, and Al Imam Malik, and Imam Shafi, and Imam Ahmed, Rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on all of them, there are reports from all of them to the extent that the period of wiping begins from the time that the person invalidated their state of purification. But there is also a second report from Al Imam Ahmed that that period of time begins from the time that the person actually uses this permission of wiping. If the person cleaned their made wudu and put on the host, and at some point later they invalidated their wudu, the time doesn't begin there, but it begins from the time that the person makes a new wudu and wipes over their socks. This is the third opinion, and this is one narration from Imam Ahmed, and it is also recorded from Al-Mundhari, and Al-Imam Al-Nawri rahimahullah said that this is the strongest opinion based on evidence, and Allah knows best. In any case, there are three opinions concerning the time period uh, when it begins. The time period itself is a day and a night for the resident, and three days and three nights for the traveler. And as for when it begins, the minority opinion is that it begins when the person puts on their socks. The majority opinion is that it begins when the person invalidates their state of purification. And According to some of the scholars, the strongest opinion in Allah knows this is that it begins from the time that the person uses this permission and actually wipes over their socks. Then the Shaykh says, uh, wiping over the socks in the process of making ablution after a person has urinated is established from the Sunnah just as wiping over the turban is also established in the same situation from every minor invalidation of purification. Yeah, I mean from the things which are minor uh, nullifiers of purification. And the hadith concerning this are many. As for the major violation or the major state of impurity that which requires the taking of a complete bath that which requires ghusl, like the state of Janaba. Uh, in that case, the one who is in a major state of impurity is not allowed to wipe over the socks, nor to wipe over the turban, but instead it is incumbent, it is a necessity that that person has to take a complete bath of ghusl. The wiping over the socks is in the case of minor state of impurity, as for the state of major impurity, that requires the ghusl, the socks have to be removed and the feet have to be washed. As for those who may have a fracture or wound which requires that their limb, arm or leg or whatever is bandaged, in that case it is permissible to wipe over that bandage for both minor and major impurity. So in the case of the person who has a bandage, 
wrapped around the arm or leg due to a break or fracture or wound, then it's not necessary to remove that bandage and wash that part of the body, but it's permissible to wipe over in both cases of minor as well as major impurities. In the case that this wiping might cause harm, or it is said that it will cause harm, then it's not necessary to wipe, but it is permissible to make tayammum on that part of the body that uh, harm would be caused to, even by wiping, but the rest of the parts of the body, which in which there is no problem, still have to be washed as in the normal performance of ablution. And this is the end of what the Shaykh says in his commentary. Uh, in the few minutes remaining, um, also I just wanted to quickly uh, mention um, concerning uh, the wiping over the socks in the performance of ablution, the hadith um, that verifies the time period for the resident person of a day and a night and for the traveler of three days and three nights and that is reported in the Sahih of Muslim and in other books of hadith from Shuraih ibn Khani he said I came to Aisha radiallahu anha and I asked her about wiping over the socks and she said Alayka bi ibni Abi Talib Ya'ani you must go to the son of Abu Talib that is Ali radiallahu anhu and ask him فَإِنَّهُ كَانَ يُسَافِرُ مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ because verily he used to travel with the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم فَسَعَلْنَهُ فَقَالَ جَعَلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم ثَلَاثَةَ أَيَامٍ وَلَيَالِيهِنَّ لِلْمُسَافِرِ وَيَوْمًا وَلَيْلَةً لِلْمُقِيمِ So this hadith which is reported by Imam Muslim is a proof here when they asked Ali ibn Abi Talib رضي الله عنه about wiping over the socks what is his period due to the fact that he was more knowledgeable even than Aisha radiallahu anha the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because of the fact that he used to travel so much with the Messenger of Allah therefore he came to know about such matters more than others when they asked him he said the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has made the time period during which one may wipe over the socks for the traveler to be three days and it's night. Yeah, I mean three days and three nights. And for the one who is not a traveler, the resident, a night or a day and a night. Yeah, I mean the time period for the resident person is a day and a night. Also, uh, it has been mentioned in some of the books of fit some differences of opinion concerning this. The most important of them uh, is, as we already mentioned, um, when does the time period begin? And I said uh, that there are three uh, opinions or three main opinions concerning this. Um, some of the scholars who made comparison between the Islamic uh, schools of law uh, discussed where they differed and where they agreed. And uh, it is said that there is agreement on the fact that the time period for wiping over the socks begins 
from the time that uh, the person invalidates or loses their state of purification. And he said that there is agreement or ittifaq amongst the scholars on this, not from the time of wiping, but from the time of invalidating the state of purification. And there is also a narration from Imam Ahmed that it begins from the time of wiping. And this is also the preferred opinion of Al-Mundari. And here he mentions the statement of Al-Imam Nawawi that this is the strongest opinion based on evidence. And then finally he mentions the opinion of Hassan al-Basri that the time begins from the time of wearing the socks or putting them on. And also he mentions here that there is agreement upon the fact that when that time period expires, then the person's state of purification also expires. And this is an agreement, or this is, this is something agreed upon, uh, except that which has been reported from Imam Malik, rahimahullah, Yaani, uh, who said that, Yaani, with his opinion that, uh, for the traveling person there is no time period, Yaani, it's not a limited time period, but as long as the person is traveling and they are in need of it, then they may wipe over their socks. Then there is also some discussion, but that, uh, those points are not as important you know, concerning whether or not the person may wipe over socks which have a hole in them and the scholars differ about whether or not it's permissible, some say it's permissible and some say it's not and whether or not, uh, yeah, I mean, what is the extent of that hole if they are, yeah, I mean, what portion of the foot, if it is shown from the hole in the socks that is still permissible to wipe and not and there is much difference of opinion in this issue but in the end of it all, there doesn't appear to be any really uh, authentic evidence for those opinions uh, of those who said that it's not permissible to wipe over the socks if they have a certain size hole uh, or another size. So this is basically uh, what we wanted to discuss this evening um, concerning the wiping over the socks and we should remember that this is a facility on ease that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated for the Muslims during the time when that person is resident as well as during the time when we are traveling. And Allah loves that a person should take those means of ease or permission that He has given to us to lighten the responsibility in matters of worship for otherwise it is loved by Allah that we should take advantage of those things and use them. So whoever knows about this ruling of the permissibility of wiping over one sock while you are resident for a day and a night should take advantage of such and use it. It is a favor and a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we should appreciate. We should thank Allah by using it. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك If there are any comments or questions, inshaAllah, or corrections إنك إلى خير كيف حالكم؟ نعرك الله فيكم If the sisters uh, have any questions, you may uh, send them in writing uh, We have still a few moments remaining before the Adhan um, Otherwise, 
are highly respected and they are usually, uh, even when they are incapable of going out and getting around, they are still usually kept in the home with their family and they are taken care of and they are served. Not like in the Western society or those societies that have been imposed by the Western society where the old people are put in an old, uh, old, old people's home or something like this where they are uh, neglected by their family and turned over to strangers to take care of them because they are no longer of any use to us so we just get rid of them but in the Muslim society, alhamdulillah, the old people are respected the elderly people are respected and taken care of and looked up to and even considered to be of great value to us and we find that the young people go to the old people to ask them for advice and to ask them to supplicate and to pray for us because of their nearness to Allah, inshaAllah, um, more than others. So, yes, it is true that the elders uh, in our community are also included in this category of those who should be respected and served. Hey, uh, let us um, stop here and prepare for salat. Um, it is as though I heard the adhan, I don't know, or something. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who said that um, uh, the meaning of it is that those are not of us who do not respect um, our elders who don't respect our elders and who don't have compassion or mercy or concern for our young, our children and Exactly. <laughs> and the brother mentioned here concerning this hadith that this shows uh, the cohesiveness or the unity of the Muslim community, the old and the young. Um, there is no part of the community that is left out, but everyone has a place in the Muslim community and this shows the perfection and the completeness of the way of Islam which is family, the natural way that Allah has given to us. The one who knows best, the human being, our creator, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Barakallahu alayhi wa sallam.